welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Those of you upstairs in big church, you want to open up your Bibles to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 8. We're here in Mark chapter 8, and we're looking, we're in part of a sermon series on the miracles of Jesus. And we're going to come to the sermon series where it takes two touches by Jesus. And Jesus is the only time in the Bible we see Jesus had to actually touch this gentleman who's blind two different times. And we're going to answer the question, why did he have to touch him two times? And we're going to see about why Jesus tells us that it's possible for you and I to have eyes but we cannot see. We can have ears, but we cannot hear. So we wonder, what is Jesus talking about? How can you have eyes and you cannot see? Six weeks ago, I had LASIK surgery. When I was in third grade, I received glasses. When I was in sixth grade, I got contacts. And I was one of those guys, you know when you take the eye exam, and they put the first one, you have your glasses and your contacts off, and you have to look at this little screen, and you have to be able to tell them the letter. Well, I knew the first letter. It was E. Even though it was really blurry, I really couldn't make it out, just because I've done this for 40 years, I know that's an E up there, but I really couldn't see. Seven weeks ago, I could be sitting back there with Miss Sandy, which is the back row, which about what's great about our church is we have a back row, but then we really have a back row which is against the wall. So those are the premium back row seats. I could sit back there against the wall, and if you had a man up here waving his arms, jumping around on the stage, I could look at that person and say, that could be a person, or it could be a tree walking around. I really couldn't tell because my vision was that bad. We're about to see in the Bible where Jesus is going to touch someone and he's going to look and he's going to see what he thinks are trees walking around. He really can't see clearly. Then Jesus is going to touch him a second time and the Bible says he's restored. He can see clearly. And for us in our life, we need to be able to say, God, can I see clearly? Because I think our, our obstacle today, our challenge today of, of 2022, is there is a world of distractions. There's a world of overcrowdedness all around us. All around us. And if we're not careful, we won't be able to clearly see the Lord. Clearly hear from the Lord. Let me use this as an example. I mean, just think about this week. I'm going to name some things, and all of these things I named, the only thing I could do about it is pray and vote. And by the way, there is an election on Tuesday. It's a primary election, so you never miss an election. So you always vote on Tuesday. Polls are open from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And there's no Fayette County schools on Tuesday, by the way, too, just to let you know that, so you can go to school and vote. Anyway, 
Just think about this week's problems. This is what we call an overcrowded life. This is just uh, distractions all around you that we can't do anything about. Out-of-control inflation. Went and bought gas yesterday at Speedway, $85. Most I ever spent in filling up the van. Next week, it'll be $100. In two weeks, it'll be $120. And we'll just, you know, just keep watching it rise. The stock market, it only goes down. Yesterday, this is tragic, there was a mass shooting in Buffalo, New York, as Innocent alluded to earlier. The Supreme Court is soon going to rule on abortion. One million Americans this week have now died of COVID in the past two years. Elon Musk is going to release Donald Trump from Twitter jail. That was news, big news this week. And the biggest of all the news this week is there's no more baby formula. Did you all know that? There's no more baby formula here in America. You can't buy it anymore. I mean, I watch the news, you watch the news, and you just see this stuff over and over and over. That's just this week. Next week will be a whole new set of whatever. And we sit here in Lexington, Kentucky. Well, what do I do about this? All I can do is pray and vote. I have no control over any of this stuff. I haven't even used baby formula since the late 70s. I mean, I haven't even thought about baby formula. But I've thought of it more this week. In fact, she went to Walmart this week. I almost told her that she'd buy some baby formula. And we'll go find some mothers and give them some baby formula if we can find any on the shelf. Just to show you the crisis it even extends even to church, we can't even get all our Sunday school literature this summer quarter because of the shipping crisis. I'm not shipping. The supply chain. You said that, so now it says his home of the church. You just have to bring your, hey, well, let's study the Bible. You got my Bible at home. Don't have any Sunday school books. Well, here we are. Folks, we, can, there, there, we can't do anything about any of this stuff. We just pray and vote. That's all we can do and tell folks about the Lord. But if you or I aren't careful, all of this stuff out there, all of these problems and the daily crises of America that we are indoctrinated with over and over and over again, it can cause you, instead of seeing clearly, you will see trees walking around. You look at this, and you think, that's out of place. But do you know if it stays up here long enough, it will just become, oh, well, that's perfectly normal. Of course there's a tree on the pulpit. That's, what thing, that's where it goes. That's what happens in our life. When something stays out of focus so long, out of place so long, you get used to it. It's no longer, you don't even notice it anymore. It's no longer even an issue. I used to live in a little town in Georgia on a road called Ball Street, which was next to the ball field, and it was adjacent to Railroad Street, which was next to the railroad. Literally, the railroad was, I looked out the front door, there it was. That's how close it was. Our first time we lived there in 2005, the first nine in that home, I had never lived close to a railroad. For whatever reason, trains run at 2 and 3 a.m. They really do. That's when trains run. 3 a.m., literally, I thought the second coming and the rapture, I'd missed it. You fell out of my bed. It was so loud. My last night there, 12 years later, at the end of 2016, I didn't even know there was a train next to me. I had no idea. I had totally forgotten about the train. 
And that's what happens when our lives, when we cannot see clearly and we cannot hear what the Lord is saying. Now this passage here, Mark chapter 8, it actually, we're going to have to read the section before the healing because the healing actually falls on what Jesus is going to teach about the Pharisees and about how they are the leaven or the yeast. And if you aren't careful, this yeast comes inside of your life and it's overcrowds your life and it's out of place and you don't realize it. Verse 11, Mark 8, 11, The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, demanding of him a sign from heaven to test him. I want to, you all know something. Do you know anybody argumentative? Jesus was not argumentative. They actually came to argue with the man. I have learned in life, and I want y'all to know this, if you meet anybody and they're ready to argue, that's, they're, 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 you just don't engage. Say, yeah, I'm just not going to argue with you. In every conversation you're not careful, it will end up in an argument. You just have to say, I'm not here to argue. That's what Jesus did. Arguing with people. I have never argued with someone and said, you know, Dan, you are right. You're a smart guy. I'm now going to believe what you believe because you made three good points on that argument. People just, that's not, that's not how people think. But these Pharisees came to Jesus and they argued with him, demanding a sign. Why are they demanding a sign? Because they witnessed Jesus had just fed the 4,000. Before that, he fed 5,000. He had been going around this region of Galilee in Israel performing miracles, but their eyes were blind. They could not see. They did not believe. So what's happening here, they keep coming to him over and over and over again. Jesus, we want more. Give me another sign. More, more, more. And Jesus says, I don't have to do anything for you. Just because you demand a sign doesn't mean I have to do it. And I don't, sure don't want to argue with you. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, Why does this generation demand a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. Then he left them, got into the boat, and went to the other side. So he's on one side of the Sea of Galilee, and now he's about to cross over. He basically rejected their demand for a sign. Said, no thanks, don't want to argue, don't want to give you a sign. In fact, I'm leaving. I don't even want to talk to you. So he just hops in the boat and sails away. We don't have to prove ourselves. Folks, we answer to the Lord. That's who we give an account to. That's who we answer to. That's who ultimately judges us. We stand before God and we lift up our hands and say, Lord, I have holy hands. My knees haven't bowed to the idols of the day. I have held to your word. I have come on Sunday to worship you. Lord, you are my God. That's what we say to the Lord. And it says here in this, he gets to the other side. And as they're going along in the boat, the disciples have forgotten to take bread. And only had one loaf in the boat. So they had this little private conversation and realized we scurriedly jumped in the boat and we didn't get enough food. Then he gave them strict orders. These were the orders. So if it's orders from Jesus, it's orders for us. Watch out. Beware of the leaven. That is yeast. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They were discussing among themselves that they didn't have any bread. 
Jesus thinks, the, he, they think he's talking about bread. But Jesus isn't talking about bread. But Jesus has told us man doesn't live on bread alone. I mean, there's something more than food. Food, on, food you, at three hours, you get hungry again. You want, one hour, you get hungry again. Fifteen minutes, you get hungry again. I mean, food's going to empty. But there's something better that I give, is what he's telling you. And what I want you to know, the Pharisees, these were men that the disciples longed to be like. They looked up to these people. They were the social media influencers. They were the movie stars on TV. They were the people of influence in politics that had to give their commentary on everything in the world. So that's who the Pharisees were. These were your people on Twitter with the blue checks. They're the folks who are official. So the Pharisees here are challenging Jesus. Jesus doesn't engage them. And Jesus is warning his disciples saying, you need to be careful. You need to watch out for the leaven of these Pharisees. What he's talking about here, and he says, and they don't quite understand. They think they're talking about, do the Pharisees have some bread that we don't know about? Like, are they have a good bakery we need to go eat at? Like, they, they're totally clueless. What's going on? And he makes a statement, aware of this, verse 17. He said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Like, guys, y'all are so clueless. I'm worrying, I'm warning you about believing what these people are, to let, letting you go down the road that they're going to take you. And you think we're talking about sourdough bread. Like, that's not where we're at. Don't you understand or comprehend? Do you have hardened hearts? And look at this question he asked. Do you have eyes? but you can't see? Do you have ears and you can't hear? Hey, that means, and that's a quote there from Jeremiah 5.21. That means it's possible for us to have eyes, but we really can't see. And we really can't hear. Listen, folks, I saw this week, I went and researched this, the average American, now this didn't happen 20 years ago. It happens now. The average American will now spend nine years of his life or her life on the phone. Now, I'm not talking about the landline phone calling your friend. I'm talking about playing on your phone. Nine years. And so you live 78 years is the average lifespan. Nine of those years, you're going to be just on your iPhone, scro scrolling, just reading about stuff. Sherry Osmond claims I'm going to do it 12 years of my life. Now guys, oh, like one-fourth of our life is asleep. Like that means, really, that means like 40% of our life is on the phone and asleep, or both in some of the cases. You know, you're in the bed asleep while playing on your phone. I mean, you're just, that's your life. It's sleep in the phone. And then you add in eating, that's your life. I mean, there, what else is there? I eat, I sleep, I play on my phone. That's what I do. And, 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 What's happening, Jesus is telling us, for the Pharisees, they were longing, or the disciples were longing to be like the Pharisees. Folks, in our case, we don't even know what we're longing for. We're just scrolling on the phone at meaningless stuff. So this, this is the problem. 
inflation, the stock market go down, falling shootings in Buffalo. I've never been to Buffalo. The Supreme Court, never seen the Supreme Court. Millions of Americans had COVID. We all had COVID. Elon Musk, Donald Trump's going to come out of jail. No more baby food. This is what we sit around thinking about. And the, Jesus is saying, no, you don't need to do that. You have eyes. You have ears. Don't sit there and allow the news cycle of the day, or anyway, the morning or the afternoon, to dominate your life. There's more Jesus is offering. There's better He's offering something different. Keep going in your Bibles. And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? And then how many baskets did you, leftovers did you collect? They said, we collected 12. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, he just did this miracle right before this statement. The verses before. Jesus fed 5,000. Then there were still some more hungry people. You always have to have leftovers. Then you fed another 4,000 after that. Jesus fed 9,000 people just like that. No problem at all. And they had leftover food. They had seven baskets of leftover food from the 4,000. And he looks at them and says, Do you not understand yet? Why on earth are you demanding a sign, wanting to see a sign, worried about bread, when I just fed 9,000 people and had leftovers. Look, if you, we need a little miracle here in the boat, we could take your little piece of bread and feed 12 if we need to and have one little leftover basket. Jesus is saying, folks, you're missing it. Open your eyes. Don't worry about the bread. There's something more in front of you. So look at what happens here. They're landing in this place called Bethsaida. Bethsaida was one of the woe cities that Jesus named. There's three woe cities that got struck down. Capernaum, Chorazin, and Bethsaida. Jesus called them all woe cities because they failed to repent. He says it would have been more tolerable than Sodom and Gomorrah would have repented. But you, Bethsaida, you, Lexington, you heard the gospel. Jesus came. The church is a lighthouse to our community, and people just yawned. They pulled out their phone. They came to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man. Who's the they right there? That's the friends. Do you know our job is to bring our friends to Jesus? That's what we do. Do you have any friends who need to be saved? Do you know of someone who does not know the Lord? Then we need to make sure... That, like these friends, so Jesus lands in the boat, and here comes the friends bringing a blind man. When you invite someone to church, from my experience, they, a lot of times, because they have a friendship relationship, they'll take you up on that offer. And they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. They're begging for a touch. And there is power in Jesus' touch. Remember when Jesus was passing through a crowd in one of the stories earlier? And a lady who had been bleeding for 12 years touched him, and she was healed instantly. And Jesus stopped and says, who's touched me? And they're like, disciples said, everybody's crowding around you. What do you mean, who touched you? The whole mob. You're a rock star. She said, no, somebody touched me. My power went out. Like, I need to figure out who did this. And then she came forward and confessed. So they know there's power in Jesus' hands. They brought him to touch him. And look at this. 
He took, Jesus took, the blind man by the hand, and he brought him out of the village. Jesus touched him, but at that point he wasn't healed. He didn't, don't miss that. Jesus touched the man by the hand. He grabbed his hand, and he says, you know, we're not going to do this healing in front of everybody, because Jesus didn't want to be seen. He brought him out, out back. They, they went in the back room. They went in the back hallway where a lot, all the folks weren't. And he brings him out of the village. And he spits on his hands. And he's laying his hands on him. And he said, do you see anything? So Jesus spits on his hands. And he takes that spit and puts it on his eyes. He's a blind man. And he asks us a question. Anytime Jesus asks us a question in the Bible, those questions are for us today. And the question today he asks is, do you see anything? That implies there's something there. There's something more that you're looking at. So this man is going to see a tree walking around. So that meant the fact that he knew what a tree looked like or a person looked like, at one point this man probably had sight and for whatever reason he had gone blind. So this guy, he was asked, do you see anything? And I want to tell you, Jesus asks us that question today. Every lost person out there ask, is asked by the Lord, do you see anything? What does that mean? Do you see Jesus as a Savior? Do you see Jesus as the one who you will stand and kneel before, with every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord? This is the question he's asking us. I want to get, get, illustrate this. I love church children, because when you talk to church children, they know the Bible, especially if they come to Sunday school. And I tell you, you need to always bring your children to Sunday school. I teach two-year-old Sunday school. You need to be in Sunday school. The purpose of Sunday school, even though we don't even have any literature anymore, because it's on a truck somewhere, or so, who knows? It's lost. You can bring your Bible, and you can learn the Bible stories. Innocent and Kareen here have children. If they're little children, they're little girls, and they are, one of them's in my Sunday school class. If I were to go up to Fortune, one of their daughters, and say, Fortune, how many animals did Noah bring on the ark? When the big flood came, we loaded up the animals on the ark. And Fortune would tell me, oh, they went two by two. And then Noah and his Three, his wife and his, his uh, three children and their wives, they were all saved. Eight people were saved in the ark. That's a biblical fact out of the book of Genesis. And children who are raised in church, they know God many years ago flooded this earth, but Noah and the animals were saved on the ark, and it landed in Williamstown. That's where the ark is. I have some neighborhood children. And I, I made a reference. Anytime I'm around, try everybody. I always try to talk about the Bible and the Lord. This wasn't too long. I'm referenced, these folks don't go to church. I referenced Noah's Ark to them and talked about, mentioned about how, you know, they, this was probably passed away during the flood, but in Noah's Ark, the animals were saved. They looked at me. They had no clue what I was talking about. Have no idea what is Noah's Ark. What is the flood? What do you mean two by two? 
And I want to tell you, there's literally a difference between a child that's raised in church, such as Fortune, knows the story of Noah's Ark, and a child in our neighborhoods here in Lexington that do not know. That little child thinks that's just a nursery rhyme. Like Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall. Just some myth out there, some legend of yesteryear. You sing to children while they're in the crib. They can't drink their baby formula, though, if they're in the crib. So they're just, they're just there. They're just hanging out. Do you see the difference? So Jesus is asking, do you see anything? There's eyes. Those two children, Fortune and that other child, they have a totally different set of eyes. That's what we call a biblical worldview. You're seeing the world through the lens of Scripture. You know God's big story. Jesus is trying to teach the Pharisees they don't have a biblical worldview. And you, disciples, are longing to be like these people. And they're not saved. They don't believe in me as the Messiah. All they're wanting to do is sign. I've given them sign after sign after sign. They still don't believe. God could come stand in front of them and say, I'm the Messiah, which he did, and they still rejected him. And I think for us, when my life is sitting around following inflation, the stock market, mass shootings, Supreme Court, people dying COVID, Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Twitter, baby for it. If, I'm, if I am focused on this distractions, this overcrowdedness, I, you, we aren't seeing clearly. That's what the Bible's teaching us right here. Keep going here in your Bible. Scripture tells us here, he looked up and he says, I see people, they look like trees walking around. That meant he could see something, but it still wasn't very clear. And I believe a lot of, a lot of times in our lives, when we have a, allowed it, overcrowdedness to creep into our life, this is what we see. It, it, looks, it looks out of place. It is out of place, but over time, you will accept it as the norm. And Jesus is saying, no, there's something even better. You can see clearly. The reason he did this is to fulfill verse 18, what we read earlier. Mark 5, or Mark 8, 18. Jesus asks the question, do you have eyes and not see? He fulfills that saying, when you're looking around at a, tre a tree, walking around as a person, that is an example of eyes that do not see. You can see, but not see clearly. And Jesus is coming this morning, speaking to you, saying, I want to make you see clearly. Our focus, our attention should be on the Lord. The disciples were longing to be like the Pharisees. And Jesus is saying, no, don't do that. There's, beware, there's yeast, there's leaven, there's evil among these people. Your focus, Mr. Disciple, your focus, Broadway Baptist Church, should be on the Lord. That, you see the contrast he's making here. This is the two-touch miracle. Jesus used trees walking around to teach them the importance of making sure you're seeing clearly. Folks, if you are just 
being indoctrinated by the news, sports, media, whatever the daily conversation is, you have to step back and say, am I seeing things clearly, Lord? Because I think about my, just think about my, well, just the illustration I just gave. What's more important? That child that lives next door to me, that has no clue what Noah's Ark is, that does not know about Jesus, that's spiritually lost, that the Bible says is going to hell without the Lord, or following whatever the news is teaching me, that I can truly do nothing about but pray and vote. And, that, and, that, and then next day there's something new to pray and vote over. I mean, just every day it changes. We need to make sure that we see clearly. Jesus now, in verse 25, says, Again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. The man looked intently, and his sight was restored. It was restored. That second touch brought clear vision. Some of you need that second touch. You have been corrupted by our culture. We're, we're watching the wrong thing. Jesus wants us to fixate and focus our eyes upon him. And then after he did that, it says he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. I mean, don't go, you know, that, this is a back alley healing. Nobody needed to see the healing. Jesus didn't want any credit. Don't go back in that village in Bethsaida. You go back to your house with your new side. Jesus was able to heal this man wholly with two touches. Actually, in many ways, he touched him three times because he took him by the hand to lead him out there. Then he touched his eyes. Then he touched his eyes a second time. Jesus has the power to say, Pastor, why wasn't he healed immediately once Jesus touched him? Jesus doesn't have to touch people to heal them. Do you know how this world came into existence? God spoke, let there be light. He doesn't need to touch. God speaks, and it comes into existence. God speaks into your life. God speaks, and miracles occur. And God speaks to you and can open up your eyes, open up your ears, so we can clearly Him hear Him. Hear him. How does this apply to us today? This morning, if God's speaking to you, and he's telling you to be saved, he's telling you to join this church. This is a wonderful Bible-believing church. We're blessed to be a part of this church. He's speaking to you saying, you need to quit following the daily media indoctrination and begin focusing on the Lord you want to see clearly, God can open up your eyes. We're about to take the Lord's Supper. So I'm going to invite our deacons at this time to come forward. While they come forward, I want to explain the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is something we do here six times a year. We do this because Jesus told us there is two observances we make. We observe the ordinance of baptism, and we observe the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And if you're a Christian, and you've been born again, and you've been baptized, the Lord wants you to take the Lord's Supper. It's for you. The Lord's Supper remembers what Jesus did on the cross. 
The bread represents his body. The blood, the the juice here, it represents Jesus' blood. We identify with Jesus through the Lord's Supper. So we're going to absorb the Lord's Supper and remember what he did for us.